Greetings and welcome to the latest edition of the Big D Podcast. On the line is the president and CEO of the Foundation for Recounting Public Schools. I see it's been in that role for the past 14 years. Malcha Bell. Malcha, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Well, uh, so um, being the president and CEO of Foundation for Lee County Public Schools, what is your role? Well, um, I work with a great group of, of other people. We have a lot of different programs. Our mission here is to enhance and enrich the public school experience for our students and our educators. And we do that through a variety of means, everything from scholarships to mentoring programs to grants for teachers, um, scholarships for teachers and students, college and career initiatives to help kids make decisions about what they're gonna do when they graduate from school, um, teacher resource center and, and um, that gives us the ability to give resources to teachers for themselves and for their students. Uh, anything and everything that we can working with the business community to make sure our students and our teachers have everything they need to succeed. I could think of an easier job with all the uh, virtual and hybrid learning going on right now. So um, with the pandemic, basically not, I mean, what percentage of kids right now learning via Zoom or virtual learning? Well, it changes on any given day, but the last um, statistics I looked at, it was around 60% have returned to school and 40% are still doing at-home learning. But as we speak this week, I, um, they're changing that. So more and more, our students, as we move through this whole process, are, and their parents, are understanding that the best way to learn is in person. So it's becoming, um, it was about 50-50, and now it's about 60-40 and, and continues to rise. Uh, where would uh, where would Florida rank in terms? You might not know this, but where would Florida rank in terms of in-person learning compared to other big states? Um, I don't know the answer to that right now. I know that um, from the very beginning, Florida was a leader in allowing different options uh, uh, for learning. So, um, and I believe Texas was doing the same thing, but we're probably up there towards the top in terms of the number of students that are, are in school learning. Yeah, it's few, it seems like more and more states are realizing that in-person learning is not, not just the best way for kids to learn, but probably more necessary because it may not hurt, hurt a high school senior now, but it may hurt us first to second grader now not having that in-person learning to develop his or her characteristics. Yeah, social skills are, are, prob are best learned in person, obviously. And, and the data is backing up um, the more and more we, we do these um, types of out-of-school learning that all of us, not just students, um, learn best by doing and working with others and, and having the ability um, to um, do face-to-face -face and, and develop those other skills that we sometimes take for granted, which is how do we get along with others? How do we um, play fairly? How do we um, give each other eye-to-eye -eye contact and all of those other things? Yeah, could you talk about maybe what hap what, where some of this money goes? 
where some of the money and resources go? From the Take Stock and Children 5K? From your walk. Um, so that the Take Stock and Children 5K, this is our 10th year doing it. Uh, the money that is raised to that goes to our Take Stock and Children program. Our Take Stock and Children program is a uh, mentoring slash scholarship program where students are in the, the sixth grade and ninth grade uh, from lower socioeconomic backgrounds can apply uh, to come into the program. If they're accepted into the program, they sign a agreement saying they're going to remain crime-free, drug-free, be good citizens, and meet with their mentor on a regular basis. Uh, if they do all of those things, they're then awarded a four-year college tuition scholarship to any college or university within the state of Florida. Uh, the program is hugely successful in that if you look at the data around it, 95 to 100% of the kids that come into the program graduate from high school and start college. If you looked at the same demographic of, of children who did not come into the program, it's around a 45% graduation rate. So you can see just from that statistic um, how important it is. And I place the importance on that in that we put all of our, or we match all of our students who come into the program with an adult caring mentor from the community, usually from the business community, uh, that works with them a couple of times a month uh, on things like planning for graduation, planning on what they're gonna do for their career, um, helping them fill out scholarships and other things, uh, applications to get into college. Uh, would these be in community, would these be in uh, high crime areas like Pine Manor and potentially near Edison Avenue? Well, our students come from all over the district. Um, a little known fact that sometimes surprises people when I tell them is that we've got about 95,000 students in the Lee County School District. About 70 to 75 percent of them qualify for free or reduced lunch under the federal lunch program which means 70 to 75% of our students um, meet the federal definition of poverty. So they're all over the place. The communities that you uh, mentioned, uh, we have had students from them, but we have them from all over. Um, now I've got a two part question. One, how has the pandemic affected kids' ability, particularly in pop in a maybe areas where they don't have internet, television, or Wi-Fi with schooling? And two, how has the pandemic impacted the free and reduced lunches that kids receive? Yeah, so good questions, both of them. I'm sure that the pandemic will affect the number of kids that qualify for free or reduced lunch as we go forward because more and more of their parents are out of work. Um, whether that's temporary or permanent, that, that's definitely gonna make a difference. We just haven't seen that yet. Um, with regard to the issue of internet connectivity and, and those kinds of things, um, we are lucky in this community and that this school district made a very big decision early on in the pandemic that we were gonna work to make sure that all of our students um, were provided with computers. Um, and that's pretty much been done through the school district. If they don't have computers at home, we have a digital divide program that allows us to give um, computers to those families. And we're working with a lot of providers like Comcast and, and CenturyLink and others to make sure that all of the hotspots 
um, that are needed are provided for our, our students to be able to, to connect through the internet. Yeah, our community will be better for the next hurricane because we won't need all the Wi-Fi hotspots. Well, that, that might be an upside to it, we'll see. <laughs> So now we get to the race itself. So uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, FSW, as you know, is hosting the, what is it, Take? Take? Take Stock and Children. Take Stock and Children. Take Stock and Children Strides for Education 5K. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's one of our major fundraisers to raise money to purchase scholarships through the Florida prepaid system. So this is our 10th year. We're very excited about doing that. Um, and we have grown every year. We're now one of the largest uh, 5Ks in the Southwest Florida area. Last year, we had around 1,300 runners. Um, you know, and that does not include all of the other participants that come to cheer them on and so forth. Uh, so the money that is raised for the, um, from the Take Stock and Children 5K goes directly to um, allow us to purchase uh, scholarships through the Florida prepaid program, which is a really good program because we purchase them at today's dollars and lock them in. And then as students come into our program, we assign the scholarships to them. Um, the 5K in the past um, has been a little bit different in that we've had um, different activities for the students to get involved in, the children to get involved in, whether they're running or they're not running, like a bounce house, face painting, that kind of thing. Um, this year, due to the pandemic, we've kind of changed things up. And as you indicated early on, we're doing it two ways. You can either do it virtually um, if you don't feel comfortable coming to run, or you can show up at FSW and run it. We're going to have um, a, a graduated start where everybody will not start running at the same time so that we can distance them and make sure that we're following all of the CDC guidelines but at the same time allowing those that really want to come up and show up and, and show their support and run in person, they're going to have the ability to do that. Uh, how much money do you, have you raised in the past from this race? Money that we've raised last year, I believe we raised around $60,000 uh, of that. Um, once we pay out all of the vendors and things, um, between thirty and thirty-five thousand dollars that goes directly to purchasing scholarships. So it's it's a pretty good fundraiser. Yes, indeed. So uh, as you said earlier, there were thirteen hundred runners who took part last year. How many are you expected to do and at the live race, and how many will do the virtual race? Like more in person, yeah. Like maybe um, like a hundred people are virtual right now. Yeah. So Brittany was just telling me because that changes every single day. Um, but we have more people actually showing up to run than doing it online. We've got a hundred people um, last look to do it online, and we've we're expecting and five hundred more are doing it in person, and and we expect that number to go up. Uh, people usually sign up the the couple weeks prior to the race. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to watching those numbers go up. Uh, how important is it to have a live race? Because as you know, most of the races have either been postponed, changed, or turned into virtual races. And there were few opportunities for runners to actually run in person. 
right? So that's why we're doing um, both the live and the virtual, because we do know that a number of runners, um, first of all, uh, you know, they come back year after year after year, and we don't want to lose them. And we want to make sure that we're, um, you know, following the CDC guidelines, but at the same time, allowing people that want to come out to support us by participating in the 5K have that ability to do so. So working with the Fort Myers Track Club, which is we've been working with for a number of years now, we were able to open up both of those possibilities, uh, keeping in mind that we're going to keep uh, all of the, the um, CDC rules and regulations in place that people who do show up will feel comfortable. Uh, who, who have been some of your great successes with the program? With the Take Stock and Children program? With the, uh, found, with the uh, foundation. With the 5K or? No, no with the uh, school foundation that you've run. Okay, well, we've got tons of great success programs. Um, you know, I'll just give you an example from the Take Stock and Children program since we're talking about the 5K that benefits that. Uh, you know, I, not too long ago, was downtown crossing a street when I was stopped by um, an older woman and a younger man and they said, you have something to do with take stock and children, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. Uh, and it turned out that the young man um, that was crossing the street at the time was a graduate from our take stock and children program. He went on to become a civil engineer. Um, his mentor that we had linked him up with was a, a, an engineer. So that was kind of a neat thing that that he followed in the footsteps of his mentor. And he is now back working downtown. That's why I got to run into him, um, working at a civil engineering firm. And so it, and he also inquired about how he might become a mentor, which really brings it full circle all the way back. So, and I got tons of stories like that, where students that we have had go through this program, come back and give back to the community. You know, some of our other programs like our Golden Apple Teacher Recognition Program, uh, which has been in, around for over 30 years here now in Southwest Florida, recognizes great teachers. And, and every year we have um, six recipients of, of our Golden Apple Program. Uh, those, we've got over 150 active uh, teachers who were Golden Apples in the past. Uh, many of them are principals and assistant principals. Uh, who continue to to work with our students. So all of our programs where our, our students in the end benefit, I think of as success because if you don't do well in school, um, the chances are that you're not gonna do that well in life. And so the more we can get our students prepared uh, to make good choices about what they're gonna do with their life, whether that means going right into the workplace, going on to get technical training or going on to college, um, we, we uh, count all of them as successes if, if we're helping them to make those good decisions. Yeah, what would we do without our teachers, especially nowadays? I mean, yeah, true. I mean, some teachers may not, I mean, whether it's via a laptop, Zoom, or in-person, teachers are the lifeblood life of any student's maturity and learning and future. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and you know, that's become um, one of the, I guess, good messages out of this pandemic, if there is such a thing, is just how important teachers are. Because parents who tried to do it themselves were like, oh my gosh, um, 
we don't pay those teachers enough. And, and so that message is out there just really how important they are. Um, and, and we've been driving that message home through all of our programs for over 30 years now. So where do you, so where do you see this program going in the future? The Take Stock and Children program? Yeah, all, well. For all of our programs? Yeah, where do you see your programs going in the future? Well, we're always um, pivoting, um, which has become a favorite word um, since the pandemic and changing so that we are uh, meeting the current needs of our students and our teachers. I think that, as I just indicated, one of the outcomes of this pandemic is, is the firm understanding of what a difference education can make in the lives of our, of our, of our community. Um, kids who graduate from high school have a much better chance of not getting involved in the criminal justice system. They have a much better chance of not becoming homeless. They have a much better chance of not becoming jobless and so on and so on and so on. So our job here at the foundation is to keep up with what the trends are. You know, more and more we're learning that um, education needs to be more of a collegial hands-on type of learning process, just like it is in the real world. When we go out into the businesses, we don't work by ourselves. We work with other people. Um, when we are doing things at our businesses, we're doing them hands-on. Um, we're not just reading about them. So the whole education system is slowly but surely, I think, changing to adapt um, to the 21st century as opposed to the 19th century, which is um, you know, somebody standing up in front of a classroom and, and lecturing as opposed to somebody um, integrating their, their um, teaching into learning and doing. Yeah, you remember the old days when where teachers used to write on those old wooden chalkboards and it would just make that awful creaking noise? Yes, I do remember that well. Thankfully, they don't have that anymore. Yeah, now instead of chalkboards, they're, they're Zoom chats. That's correct. I mean, what would be more, I mean, what would be other than having school on Zoom? <laughs> well, I, you know, I hope we get away with doing school on Zoom, except, except for in, in particular instances. I think one of the lessons that we're learning um, these days in education is that, like everything, you have to, to look at where the good is and where the bad is. And there are good things about doing Zoom classrooms, um, but they cannot completely replace the in-class um, learning. So we, we need to learn what that, what that magic line is. Some students excel and do very well in Zoom learning. I would submit most students, however, need to have that in-person type of, of uh, classroom set up in order to succeed at their highest level. Yeah, I mean, would students rather have a Zoom lesson or play video games? <laughs> exactly, which they, they don't have that choice if they're in in-person learning. But yeah. you know what's funny is we're learning that that while you might think many students like this Zoom learning and not having to go to school, it's quite um, the opposite. Many students can't wait to get back into in-person learning. Uh, they, we're social animals, we need each other. And while Zoom is great and I can see your smiling face right now, it's not the same thing as if you were sitting in this room with me. Yeah, it's not, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder when we can actually 
physically hug and t- and shake somebody else's hands? Like, can I hug somebody without fear of getting or passing COVID? Yeah, I, I can't wait till I can say that, no, that isn't a problem anymore. <laughs> okay, so thank you for hopping on the uh, cast and we wish you well and I, and I will be uh, taking part in that race on February 6th. I need that race to uh, burn off all the calories before the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, so good. Thank you for having me and we look forward to seeing you at the, at the uh, 5K. Thank you. Take care.